to take someone's life the way my sister's life was taken is terrible. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. It's been a tough couple of weeks for my Chicago LGBTQ fan. As you all know, we lost Elise, but we also lost another black trans woman, Tatiana LaBelle, 33, also known as TT. Tatiana was reported missing by her family, and days later, she was found dead on the south side of Chicago in a trash can. That's not true. We don't share humans in common. Because we fight violence in this city every day and we don't see the queer and trans community fight, community fight. I, at this point, I had knew something was wrong. I just didn't know what happened, but I was devastated for them to take her and beat her to death and then throw her in the garbage like she was trash, like she didn't have no family or no one who loved her. That was heartbreaking. And then to get on the internet and see people comments of what was being said instead of reposting that picture, that was too much for me. I, I will, you know, ensure to take a step to the back and to the background and allow her to shine because she deserves that space. Welcome to Proud About It, a show where I cover artists, activists, and healers in the LGBTQIA communities who are fighting to have their identities honored, their stories told, and their love respected. I'm your host, Daquan Williams. Let's get into some of these stories today. How did we end up here? Why are two Black transgender women needlessly dead in Chicago right now? This comes after we learned, in 2021, at least 57 people who are transgender or gender non-conforming were fatally shot or killed by other violent acts, which was the highest on record since they began tracking the numbers in 2013. And I say at least because, you know, too often these stories go unreported or misreported. What are the factors behind this large-scale assault on transgender people in America? It's important to keep in mind the majority of them were Black and Latinx transgender women. This story is about two Black trans women who were found dead only days apart and from different circumstances in Chicago. On Friday, March 18th, the body of Tatiana LaBelle, known as Titi to her loved ones, was found in a trash can in the East Chatham neighborhood of Chicago, just five days after her family reported her missing, and only at just 33 years old. 31-year-old Elise Mallory's body was found on the Evanston Lakefront on March 17th. Mallory had been missing for some time, sparking a large search by her family and friends who were desperate to find her. Mallory was a pillar of Chicago's transgender and queer community, Jay Rice of Brave Space Alliance, the first Black-led, trans-led LGBTQ center on Chicago's South Side, said the deaths bring to light issues faced by the community. He says, quote, Black trans folks deal with a lot of intra-community violence. Quote, we are faced with violence from folks who say they love us, from folks who say they care about us, and quite frankly, we're dealing with an epidemic as far as Black trans deaths, end quote. In today's episode, 
I interview Angelina Nordstrom, who was chosen family to Elise Mallory. I also sit down with TT's sister, Shamika Thomas, to talk about what it meant to lose her sister so violently. This story discusses issues of violence and death. Make sure to take space for yourself as we move through this difficult content. I will also be explaining the moments you heard at the beginning of this episode, where disruptors showed up to a planned press conference and rally by Equality Illinois in support of queer and trans families throughout the country, especially during the week of trans visibility. No more than six minutes into the event on a brisk Monday evening at downtown Chicago's Federal Plaza was the action interrupted by counter-protesters. Equality Illinois tweeted, quote, for the safety of our participants and our community, we decided to close the action early. We thank all our incredible partners for your support and for taking quick action to keeping everyone safe, end quote. They are also working in solidarity for the fight to make the state and country more affirming and equitable for trans and queer folks. After that, we ask, where do we go from here? How can we do better in protecting trans safety and supporting trans youth? Raquel Willis sits down with trans kids and adult activists to discuss their experiences competing in school sports and what trans joy means to them for Logo TV's first trans youth town hall. Over the last year, we have seen an unprecedented amount of anti-transgender legislation introduced across the country, particularly targeting youth. In the interest of centering their voices, we have created a space to hear directly from young trans and non-binary folks about what brings them joy. My trans joy is creating celebratory representations of members in my community. What obstacles stand in their way. Anyone telling your story for you and then telling it wrong, how do you contend with that? And what we can do to fight for their future. In every culture, trans kids will keep coming out. Will they be supported or will they be harmed? To get a better idea of the series, I'd recommend you check out the other episodes in the show notes. So let's begin with Angelina Nordstrom's interview, where they talk about Elise Mallory's impact in the lives of those who knew her best. I was hoping this wouldn't be the story that brought us together for this conversation on today. But this is, in fact, our reality. Elise was a daughter, sister, friend, and fearless advocate for the trans community. So this must have been really devastating news to receive, Angelina. So I want to start by asking, how are you doing today? I will say that some days have been better than others. And I just had to give myself enough grace to, um, to grieve, number one, and two, to remember to hold her legacy to the highest standard and to ensure that her name is said, her name is, you know, you know, respected, memorialized, uh, and just to ensure that um, what has happened to her or with her doesn't happen to anyone else. And that I pick up where she left off with her advocacy work because a lot of the things that she has accomplished, I was there alongside her doing the, the same work. And although her direction was more activism and mine was more art related, we were able to become close. We, we established a wonderful sisterhood that lasted for years to come. And I believe that, that our sisterhood will, still, will stand the test of time. 
that's so beautiful. I thank you for that. A, a question that I want to pose now is, um, and, and that I pose to each guest that joins me on this show, is how do you identify? So you mentioned uh, you're an artist in some ways, a poet in others, um, and now you're transitioning and, and taking on um, the work that Elise did throughout her life and her career. Um, so how would you say you identify and how would you say that your identity informs the way you show up in the world? Um, so first and foremost, I identify myself as a poet and lyricist. Second, I identify as an advocate. I'm an advocate in my own right, but um, my advocacy work was surrounded and had, had a more artistic foundation. And hers had a more um, activism foundation. And then number three, I'm a friend to some. I'm chosen family to others. I don't know if I am anything to others the way that Elise was. It still is. But what I do know is that she will be missed. And even though some of her work... Um, was very similar to some of the work that I did. What made our works so distinct was that she was really out there. And even though I was out there to support her, I wanted to ensure that she knew that I had her back 100%. As long as she knew that, there was nothing she could not do. Mm-hmm. So so as as her friend... Uh, and as you as you said, her chosen family. How would you say Elise identified herself? And uh, how would you say her identity influenced the way she showed up and supported and and was visible in in the communities and spaces that she occupied? She showed up really well in the world. She showed up with a bright light. Whenever you would be in the same room as her, you would notice her because. Her energy was very vibrant. Her energy was very angelic. Her energy was strong, but it was also very subtle. It was very beautiful. Just to admire and to acknowledge. And I think that's one of the reasons why I tend to capture some of our moments together over the years. And I'm so glad that I did. And little did I know that our time together was going to be cut short. And she showed up really well and she ensured that people knew that her pronouns were she and her. And she ensured that sometimes people even knew that my pronouns were they, them. Because despite my presentation, I am proud to be they, them. Um, and I have my own reasons to be in they them, but when it comes to Elise, she embodied every bit of who we know her to be. She was someone who protected trans rights. She was someone who spoke up. She was someone who and who believed in being such a wonderful sister and a wonderful friend and a wonderful role model for so many in Chicago and so many in Illinois. So when she showed up, she showed up at her best at all times. Not just literally as far as, you know, being glammed up, but also with a full heart and with a humble spirit. 
you would just have to be within her presence to know what that is like and to understand how impactful that is. A week ago, a vigil took place to honor the life of Elise in Andersonville. And those who knew her well and those who felt her presence as a trans activist in the greater Chicago area came to pay tribute to her. At this vigil, you shared this. With your shining light and your angelic spirit, I knew I had to be a protector over that spirit because I know how difficult, or excuse me, how beautiful it was, but also how fragile it could be. So can you share a little bit more about how she made other people feel? Elise will make anyone feel very comfortable in her presence. Elise cares about fostering and cultivating fellowship with either other advocates, with members of the community, with friends, with loved ones, whoever she came in contact with. Although the reason why I said protect is because Elise was also a very introverted person. And rightfully so. I'm introverted as well. But I think because of how our energies played in one another's presence, and, well, of course, also because I'm a little older, I'm also used to being the protector when it came down to those who I consider as chosen family. And I think that comes from a place of just cherishing that person. And in Elise's case, cherishing her and cherishing that light and preserving it and ensuring that no one tries to dim her light and ensuring that I, I will, you know, ensure to take a step to the back into the background and allow her to shine because she deserves that space. And she really uses it well and she really shines. Which is the thing that matters, you know, the most. We consider, we consider intent and then impact. And in her case, she had great intentions, but then she had greater impacts. And her impacts were nothing but positive. Her impact was nothing but mind-blowing, and her impact was nothing but beautiful. Nothing short of that. And she was a founding board member for um, the Chicago Therapy Collective. And she has served until, you know, her final days. And, she, and prior to that, she served in communications and operations at Equality Illinois. And she was very visible with Equality Illinois as well. And she has been visible. But as time went by, she upgraded her game as far as the type of work she wanted to immerse herself into, as well as how to be how to be present and how to be a pillar in the community. And she did it starting with having good intention, but then she capitalized on it by having great impact. At this point in our conversation, we talk about the various ways you can show your support for Elise right now. One of them being a GoFundMe organized by Elise's sister, Fabiana. If you would like to give, the link will be in the show notes. 
And we also talk about the various ways that you can show your support for trans women on an institutional and societal level. So the GoFundMe, first of all, is going to the going to um, Elise's sister. We'll ensure that Elise will rest in power and rest in peace. And that community can come together to pay respects and say their see you laters for now, because I don't believe in final goodbyes. And and to pay respect to her in human form for human life. Um, in addition to donating and sharing the GoFundMe, for those who want to donate to the organizations that meant most to Elise, you can also donate to the Chicago Therapy Collective. She was very, very much involved in the operations as well as the day-to-day for the for the collective and she was definitely involved in the culmination of the higher trends now campaign um so chicago therapy collective is a great organization to donate to in addition as well as an organization called the office hour that is another organization that elise volunteered for for a bit of time so you have three ways of showing some support you can Donate to the GoFundMe for Elise's final expenses. You can donate to Chicago Therapy Collective in Elise's memory. And you can also donate to the office hour in Elise's memory. We already have statutes, you know, in you know, state statutes and county statutes for Kern County as well as Illinois, and even city statutes, if I'm not mistaken, for Chicago in particular that protect trans people. However, those statutes are not well enforced enough. And I'm not certain if uh, any crimes committed against trans people are considered to be hate crimes in the state of Illinois. But in case it's not, then I would hope that Attorney General Kwame Raoul will strongly consider that for the Illinois Senate and the Illinois House um, in either in con- either by himself or in partnership with one of the House reps or one of the senators or just someone who's also willing to put in some language for that, especially since it did happen to one of his employees. And although we don't have the cause of death at this time, I think many of us are really, really anxious and interested in learning how this all happened. There has to be more trans people in in positions of leadership, not just for private sectors, but public as well. In government, in the Senate, in the House, maybe a trans governor, maybe a trans mayor of Chicago, maybe a trans mayor in some of these other cities like New York or Philly or Miami or San Francisco. I think having more trans people in leadership to maximize visibility would also um, create a sense of um, um, adjustment to people's uh, perception of the trans community. And I think last but definitely not least, trans people's lives need to matter enough to where authorities need to put in a lot more energy in investigating how Elise's body 
was in was found in the lake or how it ended up in the lake in, in the first place. There needs to be a lot more effort and not just because they're being pressured by any collectives. The authorities should take advantage of this opportunity to fulfill the oath that they've taken and ensure that the same energy that they put in cisgender people and cisgender white people and occasionally in cisgender black people, they need to be putting into trans lives and especially black trans women. Then they will put that same energy in every single life whose life was taken. Hi, is this Amika? Yes. I just want to start by saying I'm I'm so sorry for your loss. I I didn't know TT personally, but I I know how hard it is to lose somebody. So, um, thank you. I appreciate just, it. Yeah, I want to start by asking how are you? How are you doing today? Um, I, today a better day. Mm-hmm. I, all I can do is take it as one day at a time. How did TT identify? Did they ever explain how they identified to you or how they wanted you um to to call them or um uh, to identify um, them in the world? No, um, I've always called called her Tommy. Even mm-hmm. as she was dressed as TT, he'd be like, "I'm still Tommy. I'm still your brother. You don't have to call me TT. Other people that don't know me call me TT." But mm. he let me pick my choice of what I wanted to call him, Tommy or TT, what I, whatever I was comfortable with. Can you talk a little bit more about your relationship? Me and my brother was very close. Like, as growing up younger, we had got taken away from my mom, but my grandmother raised us. So me and TT mm. was raised in the same house. So we had a bond that was like, to know TT was to know me. Mm. And as mm. we got older... I moved to um, Kalamazoo, Michigan. She came out here for a little while, but then she wanted to be back in Chicago. So she left. Like, she was struggling with drugs and stuff like that. We tried to do an intervention. I want to say in, like, February, but she wasn't ready. So I had to Mm -hmm. respect her, you know. She can only change when she's ready with the drugs and stuff, not her lifestyle. So Mm -hmm. we was very close. She called me all the time. We talked. So we just had a, a real close bond. So, so what made what made TT happy, especially when y'all were kids? TT, she always liked the party. Um, she very she liked the party. She was the life of the party, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe she wanted to be an actor or something because, like, she loved Roseanne, uh, Selena, stuff like that. And mm-hmm. you know, she'll watch it all the time and act it out, stuff like that. But she never really said like. If she wanted to go on and be a doctor or something like that, we never discussed that. When did your family uh, and you notice Titi was missing? Like, when did you stop hearing from her? And Um, and what were some of the fears you had when you couldn't get a hold of her? It was on a Sunday. Um, She usually talks to her friend, John, every day. So my sister called me Wednesday and said, she's like, I didn't want to worry you, but Titi been missing since Sunday. So I said, well, I'm on my way up there because I live in Kalamazoo. I need to file okay. the first report because that scared me. I was devastated because I knew something was wrong because she don't not talk to somebody. Right. The Chicago Police Department ruled her death a homicide, right? If I'm yes. not mistaken. 
what does justice at this point look like for you and your family? And, and what do you have to say to the people investigating her murder? The, the police officer that I talk to, his name is Detective Towns. I talk mm-hmm. to him almost every day. He calls me back. He gives me uh, leads that he's working on. But I would like the person to be caught. And I think they need to be put away for life. So how can we do better in the black community in Chicago? Um, I, I don't know how much you kind of are still, you know, locked into what's happening in Chicago since you live in Kalamazoo. But, I am. Um, how do we do better to make sure this doesn't happen to anyone else's loved one? I feel like we all need to come together. People need to stop judging people about their lifestyle and how they live and, and come together and just love one another because to take someone's life the way my sister's life was taken is terrible. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like I let my sister down because that was my baby. Like, I couldn't protect mm-hmm. her. Hey, my loves, it's your girl, Smitty XX here. Serious video. My loves, if you're in Chicago and you're a black trans woman, please protect yourself. Protect yourself anywhere, but especially in Chicago. Um, 33-year-old. 33, that's it. Um, black trans woman, Tatiana um, T.T. LaBelle was found in a trash can. When I saw this story, my heart dropped. This is a black trans woman, only 33 years old in the Chicago area, found in a trash can. Found in a trash can. One of my black trans is found in a trash can. And people wonder why. I get so passionate why I get so emotional about this. They left my sister in the trash can. And yet, again, I will say this. Where is the media attention? Where is the media attention for the black trans women that are losing their lives? Where is the media attention to um, let people know that black trans women, trans women of color, need to be protected? Where is the media coverage? Because my sisters keep becoming hashtags over and over and over and over and over. It's becoming redundant like come on black trans women please 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 be careful but if you're in the Chicago area please be careful this is the second story um, something related to the Chicago dealing with um, black trans rights or black trans women please please only 33 years only only 33 years old Remember the chaos you heard at the beginning of this episode? Well, Chicago Sun-Times writes this, a rally to draw attention to the deaths of two black transgender women in Chicago turned into a chaotic shouting match when another small group of anti-violence advocates crashed the event at Federal Plaza on Monday evening. As transgender activist Zahara Bassett, who you're hearing now, was pleading for justice for the two women, Several members of ex-cons for community and social change, including founder Tyrone Muhammad, interrupted the event with bullhorns. Let's rewind and hear the moments just before Zahar was interrupted. Tatiana LaBelle was thrown in a garbage can, beaten to death. Yep. What is the justice that's happening? What are we doing to find her murderer? How can we continue to move forward and heal if we are not getting justice for our ancestors or our passing on? We cannot continue to keep writing this off like it's just another dead body that's just gone. We are hurt. Our hearts are continuing to be broken. 
We want through here. We want through here. And in order for us to heal, we need to see justice. Support Black Trans-Led Initiative. Not just one off. Stop the killing of us. We want to live. We want to be human. This month is Trans Visibility Week, and we are we're here to be visible. But I don't see our sunrise, our protection. If we're not there in, in place to speak up for ourselves, it's your job, if you're my friend, to tell them that ain't right. I, and I say that to our allies. It's your job to protect me against violence. Dr. Hunter, Ashley Hunter said silence is violence. Can I hear you say that? Silence is violence. Silence is violence. Silence is violence. We cannot keep on being quiet. We have to come out and speak up. If you see something, say something. If you know something, say something. It's not right. I just want to be me. That's all I want to live, is just to be me. And I want to love on my sisters and brothers and my allies. And it's just not about me being black. It's about me being human. That's what we all share in common, is that we're human. Every single one of us. That's not true. We don't share human in common. Because we fight violence in this city every day, and we don't see the queer and trans community fight, community fight. And this part may already sound familiar. So let's skip ahead to the end of the event, where I got to ask Zahara how she felt about the disturbance um, at the rally. I feel okay about mm -hmm. it. Um, I just wish that we all could get on the same page. Absolutely. I understand that we are divided as a black community, mm -hmm. but I just wish at some point that we can get on the same page. Everybody can't cover all the lanes. Mm -hmm. And again, that's why they're in their lane and we're in our lane of protecting our black people. And it, it, it makes more sense to come up under an umbrella of unity and solidarity. And right. we could have pushed this conversation further. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I'm speaking mm -hmm. about the black lives that he was speaking about. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, had they would have done the proper, went through the proper channels and say, hey, we want to bring something else to the table with this. Mm -hmm. I'm open to diversity. I'm open to inclusion. And when I say that, I mean wholly as a black community because we have to come together and hold each other up. Absolutely. And we cannot continue to say, oh, well, one life is lesser than the other. And well, all of our lives are priceless. Hello, somebody. Hello. Hello. All of our lives. Yep. But it just happens to say, this is the community that I come from. You know what I'm saying? I'm not discounting any black men. I have brothers, I have sisters, I have, I have a father, you know, so, a son. So I would never discount the life of a black man. But what I am saying that I can speak to where I come from as a black trans woman mm -hmm. and seeing that my sisters and my, and my nieces and, and, and all, so on and so forth are being murdered and nothing is happening. Right. right. That's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. But I'm just not about all the disrupting and, and shutting and pressing down on other black voices. We have to stop that as a community. Absolutely. We have to stop allowing people to pin us up against each other and making us think that we have to put each other down or put someone in their place and all these other things. You know, how do we lift each other up instead of pushing each other down? And that's the problem that we have. I mean, I just, I just wish we could do do better. We have to. I wish we could do we better. Have and, I, and, I have, and I have hopes that we will do better. And I appreciate you. I appreciate, I appreciate you. you. Thank you. <laughs> How do we do better? Rough estimates show that there are between 1 million and 1.4 million transgender adults living in the U.S., representing an underserved portion of our population who face considerable barriers to care, including a lack of access to culturally competent health care, affirming mental health care, food and housing security, among others. 
Zahara Bassett, who we just heard from, is the founder of Life is Work, which aims to provide a multi-tiered approach to help the transgender, non-binary community of color that are at even greater risk due to vulnerabilities within the community. You can find more on her work and ways you can support her initiatives in the show notes. If you want to learn more about the ways that you can remain an ally to the trans community, I recommend you start at hrc.org. They have a bunch of resources that can help someone begin to break down the barriers that divide us. And as this episode, as well as Trans Week of Visibility comes to a close, let us hear from our young trans folks about what trans joy means to them. I want to go around just really quickly and ask, what is your favorite thing about being trans? Finn, let's start us off. I would say, like, the freedom of being able to express, like, who I am with, with no shame anymore. I'd definitely say having an expansive viewpoint, just because it opens up a lot of really interesting conversations and nuanced perspectives that you wouldn't have expected. And I, I love that a lot. I think being able to share my story and also hear other people's stories because you are being vulnerable with them, that encourages them to be vulnerable right back. And you meet so many people and you find out things that you never would have found out before. So yeah, that. I'd say hands down, it's been the people I've met. I built some of the strongest connections with other trans people and other people within the community. So definitely the people. All those people who support and love you and you just feel so great around them. You just feel so loved and you feel safe with them and it's great. That's the history of our community, right? It's like when we've had all of these spaces where we couldn't be ourselves, like we were able to kind of find each other, find the warmth, like the space right here. Thank you for joining me for this special episode of Proud About It. Stay tuned for more episodes throughout this season. If you would like to connect with us, email us at proudaboutit at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.